Jesus. I, uh, I'm always amazed at the talent that God has uh, put the body of Christ and just when Peter's out of town, Dale, somebody else fills all the talents up there. I really am grateful. The Lord has blessed us. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and these guys will be glad to give you one. Give me a favor on the light for David, the far left, blown out. So is it up? I'll just make it up as I go. We have a demon living in our light system. It's hilarious. Every Monday morning, poor Donnie works at it and works at it and works at it. One week it'll be good. Another week it'll be out or move. Or... So, so every Monday we have staff meeting. I always go last. And so I don't say anything. I'm sitting here we're talking. We're going through all the stuff, what we got to do, what to work on, what things coming up. We've had prayer. And, and then it, it, everybody looks and goes, okay, Randy, what about the lights? And I, I try not to bring it up, but... I do. Oh, thank you. Whatever you just did, uh, maybe the demon. Good job, David. And he ain't even do anything. Here's how you know you're old. You look in the mirror. That's how you know you're old. But there are other ways. I've got a pinch of nerve in my neck, and I'm telling you that so you'll feel sorry for me. It working? Apparently not. All right. Anyway, I got a pinch of nerve in my neck. Well, it affects my right arm. I happen to be right-handed. And last year, I had a uh, disc problem in two year and a half. Whatever it was, I had a disc problem in my lower back, and it affected my left leg. So I've known my chiropractor for 35 years. So I went to see him, and my wife sometimes has neck issues, and he always manages to help her. And I think he deliberately hurts me and doesn't help me. I really do. Because I remember we played basketball together years ago, and uh, I blocked one of his shots. I think he held that against me ever since. Anyway, so I go in to see him, and getting ready to leave, and he said, Randy, you, you need to put ice on that, 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off for a while. And I, he said, do you have any ice packs at home? And I said, Rick, when you open the freezer in, at our house, there are four things in there. There are four ice packs and your picture. You know, your priorities as a Christian are supposed to be Jesus and then your, your husband, right? No? All right. Jesus, and then, you know, your family, your husband, hopefully, if you're married and you're female, your husband, and then other, other lastly, yourself, you know, you're, you're last on the list. Well, my wife, it's Jesus, the chiropractor, or Jesus, her mama, and the chiropractor, I don't know. Here's how you really know you're old. We've been married 40 years, and we've been dating 43 years, and even in high school, my wife didn't like to be seen with me in public, but that's another story, so I'm just teasing. Well, so the other day, we get out of the van, and we're walking in someplace. I don't even remember where it was, and I always like to hold her hand. She doesn't like to hold mine. I force her. She said, Randy, somebody might see us. Uh, so anyway, we get, out, we get out of the van. Oh, we're Best Buy. We're walking in Best Buy. And I reach over to grab her hand, and she grabs the middle finger where I have osteoarthritis. Don't feel sorry for me yet. You don't, if you don't start feeling sorry for me, I'm going to show you the scar on my chest where I had open heart surgery. And we're going to break it out. Now, you know, I'd be good in a senior adult home, wouldn't I? I said, all right, scar time. Anyway. So I reached out and gave her hand, we get my hand, and I mean like she grabs that finger, and I'm down on my knees going, stop, on the parking lot at Best Buy, stop, you're killing me. She thought it was funny. You know, she doesn't have arthritis. It ain't right, she should have it. And I'm praying God gives it to her so she can empathize with me. It hurts. You remember when you were younger, well, y'all don't because you're still young, but for those of us that are older, I remember when I was young, my dad had gout, and I used to laugh at him. Guess what I have in my left toe? Left big toe. I got gout, which is also a form of, I'm, listen, I, I am a doctor. The Stern Cardiovascular Unit has given me an office over on Wolf. I'm there so much, they just gave me an office. I thought it was fair. This morning, I'm over here, there's a, there was something taped down on the floor. After class, I'm in here, and I'm going I'm to peel it up off the floor. I get down on my knee, and I'm peeling it, and then Phil Clark, because he's a good man, comes over there to help me peel it up, and I said, I get up. Good thing he's a friend. He said, Randy, I'll go find somebody. He didn't say it. All right, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. If you'll notice, we began this last week. It's free to reject sermon. And basically what we're talking about over the next few weeks is legalism. And it's a phrase everybody likes to throw out in church. And, and the legalist is always the other person. 
But one of the things I've discovered in being in the ministry 30 years and being a Christian now 43 years, and we're all by nature, we tend to be legalists. Now, we don't mean to be, but that's kind of what, what happens. And one, I read a definition this week of legalism I thought was really appropriate. And the definition was truth without love. Truth without love is legalism. We talked about a lot last week. We began, number one, on your outline, well, you're, we're, we're to reject external judgments. We're not going to go back over all that again. And the three, three blanks here are rules, rituals, and shadows. And then what we were looking at, beginning to look at last week, and we're going to finish number one this week, and, and really the whole ex- external judgments is legalism. And, but by definition, everything we're going to look at is legalism. It's when... I've got a list of whatever I think a Christian should do, and I expect you to conform to my list. The problem with that is, we talked about last week, Randy and Russ's rules of righteousness might not be exactly what God intended. Now, let me make it clear one more time, because every time this subject comes up, people get confused. When I'm talking about legalism, I'm not saying to you it's okay to sin. Because the other side of legalism, and it's what's dealt with by the Apostle Paul in several of his letters back and forth, and John, the Apostle John also dealt with it, is you have the antinomians. And basically what the antinomians said is, you can do anything you want to because you've been set free by Jesus, you're born again, just sin all you want to because then more grace will abound toward you. And Paul answered that in Romans very emphatically, beginning chapter 6 with these words, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! And it's the most emphatic way you could state a negative in Greek. A way we might say it in our culture today is not only no, but heck no. You can't just do what you want to do, sin with impunity. But here's the point I want us to get to in my goal in this particular series of messages, that we really understand when Jesus said you're free indeed, what that means. Beautiful, uh, they were sharing with us this morning, Dale was leading worship, the thing he was sharing and in music. I really want you to come to understand that passionately what God wants for you is simply to be in love with Jesus Christ, with your whole being, not conforming to somebody's external rules. Mary and I ran into a couple in a restaurant I think Friday night, that we've known 30 years. At the church, 30 years. We pretty much met the first, uh, went to church. Their daughter and my oldest daughter became very friends. And he's had some issues health-wise, and they, they pretty much have not really had not been going to church very much. And she, we saw him at the restaurant, said hello to him. She asked about coming out here. You know what her first question was? What kind of music do you play? I was sharing with a sweet couple this week. I won't tell you who they are, but they know who they are. I ran into them in Target, and we were talking about kind of like that. And I told them there's an old story. When God threw Satan out of heaven, he landed in the music ministry. Because if there's anything in a church that will get people fighting, what is it? Man, you don't play enough hymns. Probably don't. I love hymns. I also love contemporary music. I love doo-wop. You know, we never have a doo-wop song, do we, Dale? You know, the, one of the greatest, if you, my phone rang when we were in Target this week, and you know what it was? Earth Angel by the Pinks. If you call me and my phone rings, that's what you hear. I'm going to sing a little of it for you for those of you that don't know it. That's the only hit they ever have. I love that song. I love doo-wop. I love Southern gospel music. I love some heavy metal music, for those of you know what that is. You're thinking, well, you crazy. I, my son, when I, I got one of those, what do you call them, iPod, whatever things are going to, you listen to it. So my son was going to put all the stuff on there, and so he's listening to it as he's putting. Now, my son's taste, is, and mine are a little different. He's a lead singer in a band, and they gave us like a Mary and I front row seats for their concert. And I'm thinking, is it okay if I go backstage where I can't hear this? I'd still be here. But anyway, so he's putting all my music on my iPod. And he goes, Dad, your taste in music is very eclectic. And I said, what did you call it? I wasn't sure what that meant, but he said it was good. And he even liked some of it. He was shocked. 
Now, here's the point. There are certain things in the Christian life that are not black and white. I hope you understand that. Can I, we mentioned it last week, can I get a tattoo? Can I not get a tattoo? Can I have a little bit of a drink? Can I have a little, not? There are certain things that are gray areas. And I might feel very convicted. I'll share a story with you about a dear friend of mine who is a pastor and a man I greatly admire. And several years ago, long, well, it's been 15 years ago now, he decided that they were not going to watch television in their home at all. And he was sharing that with me. And, here's, and it's one of the reasons I really admire him. He, he, he and his wife were convicted. We're not watching any television in our home. And I said, you mean the Tigers? I said, God expects us to watch the Tigers. Now, the Vols, I can understand that, not watching it. <laughs> I said, even that? He goes, yeah. We're just, and, he said, and here's what he said. This is how you know you have the balance. He looked right at me and said, that's it for us. Not you. I'm not putting that on. There's some get convictions that Mary and I hold that we don't expect others necessarily. It's something we've been convicted of, but it doesn't mean that's for you. And we're going to talk more about liberty and license in a couple of weeks. But here's what I really, my goal is for you and my prayer. As we realize we, you need to understand your standard for your walk with Jesus Christ is be like him, not be like what other people. Be like Christ. And don't, please, one more time before we move forward, don't take from that. Randy says it's okay for me to sin because I'm free. That's not. As a matter of fact, when you're born again, any sin in your life, attitudinally, thought-wise, not action per se. You know, obviously that can be. But even attitudinal or thought that are sins. Think about it, guilty of it. That should bother you. That should. Because what is God's attitude? He hates it. That's his attitude. He loves you. And so we need to understand that I reject somebody coming to me and putting their external judgments on me. But and here's the deal we talked about last week as we forward. What happens is people began to worship the rule or they began to worship the ritual itself rather than the God behind them. And what God wants us to understand is that those shadows, the Levitical priesthood, and all those things, and Jesus came to fill those. I don't worship the Sabbath. Jesus, Lord of the I worship Jesus. Yes, we worship on Sunday morning. Why? Because when Jesus rose the dead. But can't, could we get together on Tuesday night and still be okay with God? Because it's not about the hour, 10, 50, 11, 9, whatever it is on Sunday morning. It's, our, it's us as the body of Christ coming together. I'll read you a quote, and then we're going to get into, uh, turn to Colossians 2 if you haven't. We're going to get to verse 16. This was written by a pastor in the 9th century. His name is Gardner Spring. Quote, a merely moral, moral man may be very scrupulous of duties he owes to his fellow men, while the infinitely important duties he owes to God are kept entirely out of sight. Of loving and serving God, he knows nothing. Whatever he does or whatever he leaves undone, he does nothing for God. He is honest in his dealings with all except God. He robs none but God. He is thankless and faithless to none but God and speaks prothfully of none but God. And here's the point he was making, the Gardener Spring was making. This Again, this was the ninth century. Is that, and the Pharisees were really good at this. You would look at them from the outside and say what? Really, spirits really got it. Jesus looked at their inside, which by the way he knew. He knows the thoughts in the heart. And he would look at their heart and corpse on the so you may look really good on the outside, and you may be able to fit up, fit the rules of your church or your group, and, and everybody thinks, whoo, you really got it together. But on the inside, be dead. Not even be regenerate. Not even be born again. Simply going through motions. Look at Colossians 2, verse 16. What's the first word? Therefore, or so. Many of your translations probably have so. Everybody with me? Colossians 2, 16. Many of your translations probably have so. The better translation of that in Greek is therefore. Therefore. Verse 16, therefore, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, 
Now, I want us to go back to verse 9. We're not going to exegete verses 9 through 15, but I want you to read them with me. Follow along. Back to verse 9, because that's what he's referring back to when he says, So, therefore, starting in verse 9, In him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. If you write in your Bible... I don't know if you do or not. I write in my study Bible. There's more in the margin sometimes in the text. If you write in your, your Bible next to verse 10, you are complete in him. You need to draw a smiley face or a hallelujah. That is what you need to understand. First and foremost, you are complete in Christ. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus. Faith alone, in Christ alone, and then you live out your faith. Read, continue to read. You're complete in him. He's the head of all principality and power. In him, Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, your heart was circumcised, not physical body. You're buried with him in baptism, which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you. What's the next word? Please say that louder. All means what in Greek? Thank you. All. Do you see that? You are complete in him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You were declared righteous when you were born again. You are God's child. You have, a, you have an inheritance awaiting you as a child. You will gain it one day. You will spend eternity in paradise. Your sins are forgiven. God remembers them no more. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. You can go on and on. Now, do you still sin? Other than Chris Buck, do you still sin? I know Chris, he sins regularly, just like I do, and you do. Understand, in Christ, you're complete. He died for your sins in the book of Hebrews once for all, gave you internal inheritance. You will get it one day, presently living the reality of that, but you still sin. So you go to God and you say, I'm sorry. Not to be forgiven for eternity's sake. For relations is all about passionately love Jesus Christ. And many times, a great analogy and a great picture. If you're a parent, you love your children, do you like them all the time? Maybe not. They're still your children, no matter what. They are, that relationship never changes. I have three children, they'll always be my children. I always like, no. No, not with dudes. And so, what, what would I like a father who's something, maybe as a father, what would I like to hear from them? I'm sorry. Knowing they're already my children, that's not going to change, right? There's a reason, I was sharing this with somebody, that, there's a reason in the Bible God is described as our father. When Jesus taught us how to pray, remember we spent that whole series on prayer and the model prayer? They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you pray. And what, did, what was the first thing Jesus said? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be. That's the reason, by the way, we're still on the, to hallow the name of our Father. You know, the old Oscar Mayer commercial, for those of us my age who were a kid, I love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. I love to be a child of God. It's special. You are a child. Another place calls you my. All right, look at the next verse. Verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Wiped out. Your debt, sin debt, is paid. It was contrary to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. We've dealt with all this. Jesus paid it. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That's specifically referring to Satan, his demons, and any other authority who might come along. When Jesus publicly died on the cross in Calvary, it was a public execution so the Romans would get their attention. When Jesus was publicly executed for your sins, and, the, and the Pilate put over him, king of the Jews, and the sin debt was paid, and he said, it is finished that debt has been paid in full he died rose again picked for us in baptism this morning with josh and what a beautiful time when leave was baptized for us buried raised new life to christ born again 
And your debt's paid is Christ. When someone comes along, see, this is the problem with external judgment. When somebody comes along and places on your back their standard that God didn't place, all that does is burden on you. He said, come unto me, all you labor and heavy. Does it mean life is always each not? How do we know life is hard? Because we live and we experience it. It is. But I have, I have hope. I am forgiven. I am complete. Now look at verse 16. Understanding you're complete. You're forgiven. You're in him. So... Let no one judge you in food or drink regarding festivals, new moons, or Sabbath. And by the way, the phrase, let no one judge you, it's like, you know, you hear people say, don't judge me. We always talk about it in the, in the wrong sense. Now, we're not talking about sin here. What we're saying, what he means here is, don't sacrifice, remember the context, don't sacrifice your freedom in Christ to go live according to somebody's religious or rituals. For example, I was talking to another the guy, not just the past week, about, uh, for example, Russ today has no socks on. I don't know what kind of preacher go to church without socks. So he came into my office this morning and I said, Russ, we have a new rule here. No shoes, no shirt, no spirituality. So that's my sermon next week. No shoes, no shirt, no spirituality. Now there's a reason I don't wear sandals. It's a medical reason. Did I mention I had gout and a pinched nerve and open heart surgery? There's a reason I don't wear sandals. You know what it is? I got some ugly toes. I mean, these people be throwing up. These sweet ladies down here be puking. If I were standing up here in sandals. I love the passage of Samuel. God sent the outward. But what does God look at? The Pharisees were really good on the outside. They didn't have a heart. If you'd have seen me growing up as a kid in the little church I grew up in, I thought, he's a good little boy, good little boy, good little teen. He's not his mama. But inside, I was unregenerate. 16, I got saved. Now, if you'd have known me at 16, 17, 18, he's kind of a punk. I began to change me. Why? The Spirit. When I was growing up, here's my attitude about God. And I was in, my mom made, I thought this, you know, everybody in the 50s, 60s, everybody went, to, you go to church. You do. Here's my attitude about God. He's up there somewhere, and I don't want to hack him off. You know, he's there. He's the man, and I sure don't want him throwing one of those lightning bolts and hitting me. I, I better do, and so when I would do something wrong, what was my attitude then? Ah! He's going to get me. And man, somebody had set me, they set me down, and God, we not, was out to get, die in my place. Wanted to give me heaven free gift. I was like, well, I ain't never heard that in church. Set me free. But even after that, again, that was 43 years ago, by nature, struggle and say, I want people to fit my niche. I want them to be, I want all the Christians like Randy. You got to sing, you got you to look like this. There are some areas to agree about. They have nothing to do with the faith. They have nothing. We've got to let it go. We can worship. So that the world, here's the point. I don't mean to ramble, but so passionate. I have two brothers that aren't Christians. I have a lot of friends that aren't people that I, family members, people I've dealt with, people I deal with. I talk to neighbors, others. And you know it's true. If you're sharing your faith with people, so many times they don't want anything to do with the church. Why? They don't understand grace, do they? They don't understand love. What do they think the church is? Rules and regulation taking away. And the reality is, we're Jesus Christ. Why do we come to church? To worship together, to be encouraged together, to exercise our spiritual gifts together, and then go out into the world and let be that we're different. What set, what set the New Testament, the early church, apart from the Pharisee? Why did the early church turn the world upside down for Christianity? You know why it did? Because it believed with all its heart that Christ had a dead and that he was no God, and they loved everybody. Everybody. They were the only ones that would go into leper colony and care for lepers. They loved them. And if they got leprosy, they got leprosy, died, and they went. They loved people nobody else loved. Who did this die for? He died you don't even like. And then he saved to go tell those what? And they don't wait. A lot of times they don't even understand what that means. We just need to find out where they are. They think it's rule and rituals, regulation, religion. And we realize, no, it's none of that. Relation, one true God who will set you free. I want you to notice, he mentions here in verse 16, it's not food, it's not drink. It's not festivals, it's not new moons, it's not Sabbaths. All of those things were things the Jews would understand. 
For example, the food or drink, the Old Testament dietary laws. You can eat this kind of food, you can't eat that kind of food, you can drink this, you can't drink that. They understood all that. The Pharisees had just beaten them down with rules about what you can eat, what you can't drink. The Sabbaths, all the different days of rest, once a week as well as other Sabbaths that they would celebrate, the new moons, the festivals. They had many Jewish annual celebrations like Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacle and the Festival of Lights. He said, all of those things. So now Jesus comes along, raises a bar. Changes the, and then Paul comes along and writes church and says, worshiping those things. Jesus fulfilled those. You don't have to live by the Old Testament dietary law. You don't have to have a building. You don't have to do it this way. I want you to notice from Romans 14 what the Apostle Paul said. In Romans 14, verse 17, he said these words, wrote these words. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You hear that? It's not what you eat. It's not what you drink. For example you grew up in any church, and even now, we're going to have fellowship together as the body of Christ. You know what the definition of fellowship is in many churches? It's getting together and eating chicken. The biblical definition of fellowship is sharing in common. Sharing in common the grace of Jesus Christ. Sharing in common the Holy Spirit. Sharing in common the love that the body has for each other. Jesus, listen to the words of Jesus Christ from Mark chapter 7. Jesus said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. I love that. Do you know exactly what he's talking about? I hate to be graphic, but I want you to understand. You see what Jesus is saying to them? It's not, it doesn't matter what you eat. It goes in your stomach, and you go to the bathroom, and it's gone. It's exactly what he's saying. He said, hey, guys, when the Pharisees tell you you can't eat that food, I'm telling you, eat it. Remember his disciples were eating on the Sabbath and the Pharisees went crazy? Jesus saying, I'm telling you that I fulfilled all that. It's over. If you want to eat, eat it. Because all it's going to do is go in your stomach and you're going to go to the bathroom and it's gone. It's just food. It's not about heart. It's about the heart. Stomach. Now, does that mean we should not take care of ourselves physically? Of course not. It's a totally different issue. But he's saying if someone tells you to be spiritual, you can't eat fish on Friday or whatever. To be spiritual, you can't eat uh, barbecue. Or to be, We talked about that. Like, no. Focus on what's important to shadow. Jesus is fulfilled. I'm going to give you an example. I love some of the things that are in the Gospels. Remember when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, what did God give them on the ground every day to provide for them? What? Manna. Bread. Daily bread, right? And Jesus comes along and says, I am what? I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He said, he said, I am the bread from heaven. He also said, I'm the light of the world. He also said, I am the door. He said, I'm the Passover. Whoa, whoa wait a minute. Apostle Paul said, Jesus is our Passover. So do we need to celebrate a festival, just Passover to celebrate it? No. Now, if we want to have a celebration of Passover because we're looking first to Christ, that's, don't worship Passover, worship whom? Jesus, why? Jesus is our Passover. He is the Passover lamb. That's what we celebrate. He said, uh, Paul, the Paul said in another place, Jesus is our mercy seat. You know what the mercy seat was? It's the lid to the Ark of the Covenant. I'll give you a mental image so you always know it. Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark at the end of it, that thing flying through the air? That was the mercy seat. Now you remember it. The Bible says Jesus is our mercy seat. You know what happened at the mercy seat on the day of atonement? One day a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and he sprinkled blood on the mercy seat, forgiveness of sin. And then Paul comes on and says, is our mercy seat. In other words, when Jesus spilled his blood, how many more times did he done? None. It was over with. He's the mercy seat. He's the Passover. He also said, I'm the living water. God provided them with water. Jesus said, I'm the living water. I'll give you water internally. You can't get anywhere else. I am your rest. I am your Sabbath. And here's the point. Mechanical worship, mechanical going through the motions simply burdens you. 
beat you down. What's the title? Look at the top of your handout. The title of the series, it's what? Free indeed. Not free to sin. Free to right. Lead you to, or the Bible, black and white, a gray area. We're going to talk more about that. I want to show you something. I want you to turn back to the book of Philippians, book just prior to Colossians. Turn to chapter 1. Turn to chapter 1. We'll get to the verse in a minute, but here's what I want you to notice. You see, this problem with external judgments is this. External judgments, legalism, honors the wrong person. The Pharisees weren't honoring God. Who were they honoring? Themselves. Because here's what they, remember when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't pray like them, don't give like them. Why? He said they were doing it so people would see them. They wanted people to gravitate them, not to God behind the gift, not to the God of prayer that's supposed to praying, not to the God that you were fasting for. Jesus said, don't fast like them. You see, they were focused on the giving and the praying so to be seen and the fasting to be seen so they look humble. And God said, that's not humility. Humility heart. He wanted to be real. The problem with legalism, he focused it on the wrong person. It also makes the church a place of no freedom, no joy, no grace, no love. We're spending our time judging with external judgment, not just what God puts on them. And then it simply turns the world off. They're not interested in what we have to say. I want to show you an example. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Everybody there? Philippians 1, 12. We're going to finish with this today. This is the last thing we're going to do. 1, 12. Paul writes, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, hang with me. So beautiful. By the way, this book really changed my life. I studied this book the first time I had been in the ministry. Uh, Brother John, our, your pastor, made me take over his Bible study that I did not want to take over. I was already in youth, fort, building else, and the guy that was going to do it couldn't do it. He said, I need to take this over. It's called Precept Bible. So took it over, and I did the one, first one, maybe the second one. This book, the theme of it is have joy no matter what your circumstances. The Lord always, and I say, I want you to notice. Paul writes at the very beginning, things that have happened to me have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about it, expecting to die at any moment. He's chained to a rope, please don't miss this, chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, and they're going, and he's expected to be executed at any moment. So the Romans have done this to him, Nero in particular, thinking that we'll teach him a lesson. So they chain him up. Now turn to chapter 4, verse 22. Just you read it and you think, okay, no big deal. He's saying goodbye. Look closely. Everybody there? Chapter 4, verse 22. All the saints, by the way, saints simply mean people who are born again. You're a saint. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. Doesn't mean really good saint, really good Christians. It means any Christian is a saint. All the saints greet you especially those who are of Caesar's household. You see that? I'm getting goosebumps as I'm sharing this with you. He's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day for whatever period of time it was, and those soldiers are getting saved right and left. Caesar's household. This is the Praetorian Guard, the elite of the elite. That, that, that Nero puts them there to handle this Paul guy, and they're getting saved like crazy. I love this picture. He took a situation that, from our perspective, would be awful. And he wasn't preaching to them, don't eat, don't. What, was she, what would they simply sing? This guy loves us. This guy loves Jesus. What do you think he talked about? And you're chained to him. Where are you going? This is clearly where captive audience began, right? You're not going anywhere. And while you're here, tell me what's going on in your life. And by the way, let me tell you about my Jesus. And he'll give you peace, joy, freedom. You think Caesar's a God? Let me tell you about you. Because he says at the end, all the saints greet you. Saints are believers, especially these new Roman soldiers. Caesar's household, brand new believers. Now you look at that situation in chapter 1, before he writes those words, it doesn't look good, does it? By the way, what's Romans 8 and 8 by the same man? God works all things together for good. Even being chained up and expecting to die, God can, and he did. These guys are saved. Here's the point. We close. It's not about somebody's rules. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's those shadows, the substance about Jesus. Falling, love him, letting him.
for and in the weeks to come we're going to get into some other aspects would you bow your heads please Lord we do thank you that Jesus Christ not only came but that he died that he rose again we saw it pictured in baptism this morning we see it pictured in the apostle Paul's life Lord I pray we see it in our lives beginning with me that people who were around me would would know that I love them and that my Jesus loved them, that he died for them, that he has something for them that they cannot get anywhere else eternal life and real life right now. Peace, joy, genuine freedom from worry, freedom from people's religion, free, be, righteous in Christ. I pray, Lord, we as Christians will be convicted to share that Jesus. And Lord, if somebody's here is not a believer, who's never said yes to this moment, Lord, thank you, Jesus, thank you for dying in my place, taking my handwriting, paying, taking my debt, remembering it no more, forgiveness. I ask for forgiveness, safe. We pray in Jesus.